Welcome to Sky Island, Volume 7. Chapter 17 The Arrival of Polychrome. Captain Bill had determined to fight desperately for their lives, but he was a shrewd old sailor man, and he found much that was reasonable in the witch's assertion that fairies would protect them. He had often wondered about how the magic umbrella could fly and obey spoken commands, but now he plainly saw that the thing must be directed by some invisible power, and that power was quite likely to save them from the cruel death that had been decreed. To be sure, the magic umbrella was now in the blue country, and the fairies that directed its flight might be with the umbrella instead of with them, yet the old sailor had already experienced some strange adventures in Trot's company and knew she had managed to escape every danger that had threatened. So he decided not to fight until the last moment, and meekly hobbled along the street, as he was commanded to do. Trot was also encouraged by the witch's suggestion, for she believed in fairies and trusted them. But Button Bright could find no comfort in their situation, and his face was very sad as he marched along by Trot's side. If they had followed the corkscrew windings of the street, it would have been a long journey to the outer edge of the pink country, but Tourmaline took a shortcut, leading them through private gardens and even through houses, so that they followed almost a beeline to their destination. It rained all the way, and the walking was very disagreeable. But our friends were confronting an important crisis in their adventures, and with possible death at their journey's end, they were in no hurry to arrive there. Once free of the city, they traversed the open country, and here they often stepped into sticky pink mud up to their ankles. Captain Bill's wooden leg would often go down deep and stick fast into this mud, and at such times he would be helpless until two of the pinkies, who were strong people, pulled him out again. The parrot was getting its feathers sadly draggled in the rain, and the poor bird presented a wet and woebegone appearance. Soak us again, drown us with rain, it muttered in a resigned tone, and then it would turn to trot and moan. The rose is red, the violet's blue, the pinkies are a beastly crew. The country was not so trim and neatly kept near the edge, for it was evident that the people did not care to go too near to the dangerous place. There was a row of thick bushes which concealed the gulf below, and as they approached these bushes the rain abruptly ceased, and the clouds began to break and drift away into the sky. Two of you, seize the girl and throw her over, said Tourmaline in a calm, matter-of-fact way, and two others must throw the boy over. It may take four, perhaps, to lift the huge and ancient man. More than that, said Captain Bill grimly. I'm pretty sure it'll take all of you, young lady, and the chances are you won't do it then. They had halted a short distance from the bushes, and now there suddenly appeared through a rift in the clouds an immense rainbow. It was perfectly formed and glistened with a dozen or more superb tintings that were so vivid and brilliant and blended into one another so exquisitely that everyone paused to gaze enraptured upon the sight. Steadily, yet with wonderful swiftness, the end of the great bow descended until it rested upon the pink field almost at the feet of the little party of observers. Then they saw, dancing gaily upon the arch, a score of beautiful maidens, dressed in fleecy robes of rainbow tints which fluttered around them like clouds. The daughters of the rainbow, 
whispered Tourmaline in an awed voice. And the witch beside her nodded and said, Fairies of the sky, what did I tell you, Tourmaline? Just then one of the maidens tripped lightly down the span of the arch until very near the end, leaning over to observe the group below. She was exquisitely fair, dainty as a lily, and graceful as a bough swaying in the breeze. Why, it's Polychrome! exclaimed Button Bright in a voice of mingled wonder and delight. Hello, Polly! Don't you remember me? Of course I remember you, Button Bright, replied the maiden in a sweet, tinkling voice. The last time I saw you was in the Land of Oz. Oh! cried Trot, turning to stare at the boy with big, wide-open eyes. Were you ever in the Land of Oz? Yes, he answered, still looking at the Rainbow's daughter, and then he said appealingly, These people want to kill us, Polly. Can't you help us? Polly wants a cracker! Polly wants a cracker! screeched the parrot. Polychrome straightened up and glanced at her sisters. Tell Father to call me in an hour or two, she said. There's work for me to do here, for one of my oldest friends is in trouble. With this, she sprang lightly from the rainbow and stood beside Button Bright and Trot, and scarcely had she left the splendid arch when it lifted and rose into the sky. The other end had been hidden in the clouds, and now the rainbow began to fade gradually, like mist, and the sun broke through the clouds and shot its cheering rays over the pink country, until presently the rainbow had vanished altogether, and the only reminder of it was the lovely polychrome sitting among the wandering band of pinkies. Tell me, she said gently to the boy, why are you here, and why do these people of the sky wish to destroy you? In a few hurried words, Button Bright related their adventure with the magic umbrella, and how the Boolaroo had stolen it, and they had been obliged to escape into the pink country. Polychrome listened, and then turned to the queen. Why have you decreed death on these innocent strangers? she asked. They do not harmonize with our color scheme, replied Tourmaline. Why, that is utter nonsense, declared Polychrome impatiently. You're so dreadfully pink here that your color, which in itself is beautiful, has become tame and insipid. What you really need is some sharp contrast to enhance the charm of your country, and to keep these three people with you would be a benefit rather than an injury to you. At this the Pinkies looked downcast and ashamed, while only Rosalie the witch laughed and seemed to enjoy the rebuke. But, replied Tourmaline, the great book of laws says our country shall harbor none but pinkies. Does it indeed? asked the rainbow's daughter. Come, let us return at once to your city and examine your book of laws. I am quite sure I can find in them absolute protection for these poor wanderers. They dared not disobey Polychrome's request, so at once they all turned and walked back to the city. As it was still muddy underfoot, the rainbow's daughter took a cloak from one of the women partly rolled it up, and threw it upon the ground. Then she stepped upon it, and began walking forward. The cloak unrolled as she advanced, affording a constant carpet at her feet, and for those of others who followed her. So being protected from the mud and wet, they speedily gained the city, and in a short time were all gathered in the low room of Tourmaline's palace, where the great book of laws lay upon a table. Polychrome began turning over the leaves of the book, while the others all watched her anxiously and in silence. Here, 
she said presently, is a law which reads as follows. Everyone in the pink country is entitled to the protection of the ruler and to a house and a good living, except only the blueskins. If any of the natives of the blue country should ever break through the fog bank, they must be driven back with sharp sticks. Have you read this law, Tourmaline? Yes, said the queen. But how does it apply to these strangers? Why, being in the pink country, as they surely are, and not being blueskins, they are, by this law, entitled to protection, to a home, and a good living. The law does not say pinkies. It says any who are in the pink country. True, agreed Coralie, greatly pleased. And all the other pinkies nodded their heads and repeated, True, true. The rose is red, the violet's blue. The law's the thing, because it's true, cried the parrot. I am indeed relieved to have you interpret the law in this way, declared Tourmaline. I knew it was cruel to throw these people over the edge, but that seemed to us the only thing to be done. It was cruel and unjust, answered Polychrome, as sternly as her sweet voice could speak. But here, she added, for she still had continued to turn the leaves of the great book, is another law which you have also overlooked. It says, The person, whether man or woman, boy or girl, living in the pink country, who has the lightest skin, shall be the ruler, king or queen, as long as he or she lives, unless someone of a lighter skin is found. And this ruler's commands all the people must obey. Do you know this law? Oh, yes, replied Tourmaline. That is why I am the queen. You'll notice my complexion is of a lighter pink than that of any of my other people. Yes, remarked Polychrome, looking at her critically. When you were made queen, without doubt, you had the lightest colored skin in all the pink country. But now, you're no longer queen of the pinkies, Tourmaline. Those assembled were so startled by this statement that they gazed at the rainbow's daughter in astonishment for a time. Then Tourmaline asked, Why not, your highness? Because here is one lighter in color than yourself, she said, pointing to Trot. This girl is by the law of the great book, the rightful queen of the pinkies. And as loyal citizens, you are all obliged to obey her commands. Give me that circlet from your brow, Tourmaline. Without hesitation, Tourmaline removed the rose-gold circlet with its glittering jewel and handed it to Polychrome, who then turned and placed it upon Trot's brow. Then she called out in a loud, imperative voice, Greet your new queen, Pinkies! One by one, they all advanced, knelt before Trot, and pressed her hand to their lips. Long live Queen Mary! called out Captain Bill, dancing around on his wooden leg in great delight. Viva la! Viva la! Ah, uh, trot! Thank you, Polly, said Button Bright gratefully. This will fix us all right, I'm sure. Why, I have done nothing, returned Polychrome, smiling upon him. It is the law of the country. Isn't it surprising how little most people know their own laws? Are you all contented, Pinkies? She asked, turning to the people. We, we are! They cried. Then several of the men ran out to spread the news throughout the city and country, so that a vast crowd soon began to gather in the court of statues. Chapter 18 Mary, Queen of the Pink Country
Polychrome now dismissed all but Button Bright, Cap'n Bill, Rosalie the Witch, and the new Queen of the Pinkies. Tourmaline hastened away to her father's house to put on a beautiful gown, all covered with flounces and ribbons, for she was glad to be relieved of the duties of Queen, and eager to be gaily dressed and one of the people again. I suppose, said Trot, I'll have to put on one of Tourmaline's common pink dresses. Yes, replied Polychrome. You must follow the customs of the country, absurd though they may be. In the little sleeping chamber joining this room you will find plenty of gowns, poor enough for the Queen to wear. Shall I assist you in putting one on? No, answered Trot. I guess I can manage alone. When she withdrew to the little chamber, the Rainbow's daughter began conversing with the witch, who she urged to stay with the new queen and protect her as long as she ruled the pink country. Rosalie, who longed to please the powerful Polychrome, whose fairy powers as daughter of the Rainbow were far superior to her own witchcraft, promised faithfully to devote herself to Queen Mary as long as she might need her services. By the time Trot was dressed in pink and had returned to the room, there was an excited and clamorous crowd assembled in the court, and Polychrome took the little girl's hand and led her out to greet her new subjects. The Pinkies were much impressed by the fact that the Rainbow's daughter was their new queen's friend, and that Rosalie the Witch stood on Trot's left hand and treated her with humble deference. So they shouted their approval very enthusiastically, and pressed forward one by one to kneel before their new ruler and kiss her hand. The parrot was now on Cap'n Bill's shoulder, for Trot thought a queen ought not to carry a bird around. But the parrot did not mind the change and was as much excited as anyone in the crowd. Oh, what bliss to kiss a miss, he shouted as Trot held out her hand to be kissed by her subjects. And then he would scream, We're in the sky, flying high. We're gonna live instead of die. It's time to laugh instead of cry. Oh my, ki ain't this a pie? Captain Bill let the bird jabber as he pleased, for the occasion was a joyful one, and it was no wonder the parrot was excited. And while the throng shouted greetings to the queen, suddenly the great rainbow appeared in the sky and dropped its end right on the court of statues. Polychrome stooped to kiss Trot and Button Bright, gave Cap'n Bill a charming smile, and Rosalie the Witch a friendly nod of farewell. Then she sprang lightly upon the arch of the rainbow, and was greeted by the bevy of dancing, laughing maidens who were her sisters. I shall keep watch over you, Button Bright, she called to the boy. Don't despair, whatever happens, for behind the clouds is always the rainbow. Thank you, Polly, he answered and Trot also thanked the lovely Polychrome, and so did Cap'n Bill. The parrot made quite a long speech, flying high above the arch where Polychrome stood, and then back to Cap'n Bill's shoulder. He said, We Pollys know our business, and we're all right. We'll take good care of Cap'n Bill, and Trot, and Button Bright. You watch him from the rainbow. I'll watch day and night. We'll call a sky policeman if trouble comes in sight. Suddenly, the bow lifted and carried the dancing maidens into the sky. The colors faded, the arch slowly dissolved, and the heavens cleared. Trot turned to the pinkies. Let's have a holiday today, she said. Have a good time and enjoy yourselves. I don't just know how I'm going to rule this country yet, but I'll think it over and 
let you know. Then she went into the palace hut with Captain Bill and Button Bright and Rosalie the Witch, and the people went away to enjoy themselves and talk over the surprising events of the day. Dear me, said Trot, throwing herself into a chair. Wasn't that a sudden change of fortune? That Rainbow's daughter is a pretty good fairy. I'm glad you knew her, Button Bright. I was sure something would happen to save you, remarked Rosalie. And that was why I voted to have you thrown off the edge. I wanted to discover who would come to your assistance, and I found out. Now I have made a friend of Polychrome, and that will render me poor powerful as a witch, for I can call upon her for assistance whenever I need her. But, see here, said Captain Bill, you can't afford to spend your time a-ruling this mucked-up country, Trot. Why not? asked Trot, who was pleased with her new and important mission. Would get pretty tiresome, mate, after you've had a few quarrels with the Pinkies, for they expect their queen to be as poor as poverty and never have any fun in life. You wouldn't like it for long, I'm sure, added Button Bright seriously. Trot seemed thoughtful. No, I don't know as I would, she admitted. But as long as we stay here, it seems a pretty good thing to be queen. I guess I'm a little proud of it. I wish my mother could see me rule in the Pinkies. And Papa Griffith, too. Wouldn't they open their eyes? They would, mate, but they can't see ya, said Captain Bill. So the question is, what's to be done? We ought to get home, observed the boy. Our folks will worry about us, and Earth's the best place to live, after all. If we could only get hold of my magic umbrella, we'd be all right. The rose is red, violet's blue, are the umbrella stolen by the Boolaroo, screamed the parrot. That's it, said Captain Bill. The Boolaroo's got the umbrella, and that settles the question. Tell me, said Rosalie, if you had your magic umbrella, could you fly home again in safety? Of course we could, replied Button Bright. And would you prefer to go home to remaining here? Of course we would. Then why don't you get the umbrella? How? asked Trot eagerly. The witch paused a moment and then said, You must go to the Blue Country and force the Boolaroo to give up your property. Through the fog bank? asked Captain Bill doubtfully. And let the Boolaroo capture us again? demanded Button Bright with a shiver. And have to wait on those snub-noses instead of being a queen? said Trot. You must remember the conditions have changed and that you are now a powerful ruler, explained Rosalie. The Pinkies are really a great nation, and they're pledged to obey your commands. Why not assemble an army, march through the fog bank, and conquer the Boolaroo and recapture the magic umbrella? Hooray! shouted Captain Bill, pounding his wooden leg on the floor. Now that's proper talk. Let's do it, Queen Trot. It doesn't seem like a bad idea, added Button Bright. Do you think the Pinkies could fight the Blueskins? asked Trot. Why not? replied the sailor. They have sharp sticks and know how to use them, whereas the Blueskins have only them winding up cords with weights on the end. But the Blueskins are the biggest people, said the girl. But they're cowards, I'm sure, declared the boy. Anyhow, remarked the sailor. That's our only hope of ever getting home again. I'd like to try it, Trot. If you decide on this adventure, said Rosalie, I believe I can be of much assistance to you. That'll help, asserted Captain Bill. And we've one good friend among the Blueskins, said Button Bright. I'm sure Gip Kazizzle will side with us, and I've got the royal record book, which proves that the Boolaroo has already reigned his lawful three hundred years. Does the book say that? 
inquired Trot with interest. Oh, yes, I've been reading it. Then Sizzle will be the new Boolaroo, and perhaps we won't have to fight after all. We'd better go prepared, though, advised Captain Bill, for that awful Boolaroo won't give up without a struggle. When shall we start? Trot hesitated. They all looked to Rosalie for advice. Just as soon as we can get an army together and ready, decided the witch. That will not take long. Perhaps two or three days? Good, cried Captain Bill, and the parrot screamed. Here's a lovely howdy-do. We're going to fight the Boolaroo. We'll get the six snub-noses, too, and make them all feel mighty blue. Either that or the other thing, said Trot. Anyhow, we're in for it. Chapter 19 The War of the Pinks and the Blues Much to the surprise of the Earth people, the Pinkies made no objection whatsoever to undertaking the adventure. Their lives were so monotonous and uninteresting that they welcomed anything in the way of excitement. This march through the unknown fog bank to fight the unknown blueskins aroused them to enthusiasm, and although the result of the expedition could not be foretold, and some of them were almost certain to get hurt, they did not hesitate to undertake the war. It appeared that Cor Lee was captain of the Sunset Tribe, and a man named Tintet was captain of the Sunrise Tribe. Tintet had very pink skin and eyes so faded in their pink color that he squinted badly in order to see anything around him. He was a fat and pompous little fellow and loved to strut up and down his line of warriors, twirling his long pointed stick so that they all might admire him. By Rosalie's advice, the Army of Conquest consisted of 100 sunsets and 100 sunrises. Many more were eager to go, but the witch thought that would be enough. The warriors consisted of both men and women, equally divided, and there was no need to provide uniforms for them because their regular pink clothing was a distinctive uniform in itself. Each bore a long pointed stick as the main weapon and had two short pointed sticks stuck in his belt. While the army was getting ready, Rosalie the Witch went to the central edge of the fog bank and fearlessly entered it. There she called the king of the giant frogs, who came in her bidding, and the two held an earnest and long talk together. Meanwhile, Captain Bill had the army assembled in the court of the statues, where Queen Mary appeared and told the Pinkies that the sailor man was to be commander-in-chief of the expedition, and all must obey his commands. Then Captain Bill addressed the army and told what the fog bank was like. He advised them all to wear their raincoats over their pretty pink clothes so they would not get wet, and he assured them that all the creatures to be met within the fog were perfectly harmless. When we come to the blue country, though, he added, you're liable to get pretty busy. The blue skins are tall and lanky and ugly and fierce, and if they happen to capture you, you'll all be patched, which is a deep disgrace, an uncomfortable mix-up. Will they throw us over the edge? asked Captain Tintet nervously. I don't think so, replied Captain Bill. While I was there, I never heard the edge mentioned. They're cruel enough to do that, especially the Boolaroo, but I guess they've never thought of throwing people over the edge. They fight with long cords that have weights on the end, which coil round you to make you helpless in a jiffy. So whenever they throw them cords, you must ward them off with your long sticks. Don't let them wind around your body or you're done for. He told them other things about the blue skins, so they would not be frightened when they faced the enemy 
and found them so different in appearance from themselves. And also he assured them that the Pinkies were so much the braver and better armed that he had no doubt that they would easily conquer. On the third day, just at sunrise, the army moved forward to the fog bank, headed by Captain Bill, clad in an embroidered pink coat with wide flowing pink trousers, and accompanied by Trot and Button Bright and Rosalie the Witch, all bundled up in their pink raincoats. The parrot was there, too, as the bird refused to be left behind. They had not advanced far into the deep fog when they were halted by a queer barrier consisting of a long line of gigantic frogs crouching so close together that no pinky could squeeze between them. As the heads of the frogs were turned the other way toward the blue country, the army could not at first imagine what the barrier was. But Rosalie said to them, Our friends the frogs have agreed to help us through the fog bank. Climb on their backs, as many on each frog as they're able to hold on, and then we shall make the journey more quickly. Obeying this injunction, the pinkies began climbing upon the frogs, and by crowding close together all were able to find places. On the back of the king frog rode Trot and her parrot, besides Rosalie, Button Bright, Cap'n Bill, and the captains of the two companies of the army. They were all clinging to one another so they would not slide off. Cap'n Bill gave the word of command, and away leaped the frogs altogether. They bounded a long distance at this jump, some farther than others, and as soon as they landed, they jumped again, without giving their passengers a chance to get their breaths. It was a bewildering and exciting ride, but a dozen of the huge jumps accomplished the journey, and at the edge of the fog bank, each frog stopped so suddenly that the pinkies went flying over their heads to tumble into the blue fields of the blue country, where they rolled in a confused mass until they could recover and scramble to their feet. No one was hurt, however, and the king frog had been wise enough to treat his passengers more gently by slowing down at the edge and allowing his passengers to slip to the ground very comfortably. Captain Bill at once formed his army into a line of battle and had them all remove the cumbersome raincoats which they piled in a heap at the edge of the fog bank. It was a splendid array of warriors, and from where they stood they could discover several blueskins rushing in a panic toward the blue city, as fast as their long blue legs could carry them. Well, they know we're here anyhow, said Captain Bill, and instead of waiting to see what'll they do, I guess we'll just march on into the city and ask him to please surrender. So he raised the long, sharp stick with which he had armed himself and shouted, Forward march! Forward march! repeated Corley to the Sunset tribe. Forward march! roared Tintet to the Sunrise people. March, April, June, October! screamed the parrot. Then the drums beat and the band played, and away marched the pinkies to capture the Blue City. <laughs>